The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 255 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. The Natty Hattie. And no Jamie Eisner at the moment. He might pop in, which is really actually more terrifying if you think about it, because I like to feel like we're safe from Jamie, but we're not right now. The thing is, I have the power to let him in or not let him in, so I still feel pretty safe. I hope he tries to sign in and you just don't let him in. Uh, I'm Luke Lipinski. We are recording. I think this is, Craig, the first time we've ever recorded one after a Coyotes game. That may be true, actually. Yeah, I can't remember uh, another instance. Unfortunately, uh, (laughs) and you and I haven't talked about that game yet either. So this is going to be completely um, spontaneous on the air. We'll get to that in a second. We're going to go through all eight series uh, as quickly as we can. We don't want this to necessarily be a five-hour podcast. We're going to start, though, with the draft lottery that took place on Monday of this week. It feels like it was like months ago already because this is the – official first round of the playoffs have been it's been entertaining so far to say the least but the draft lottery plays out the rangers end up getting uh, alexi lafreniere there is i guess always going to be controversy <laughs> i don't really know what to say i don't I, I, jamie of all people actually said this pretty well in our text thread people were upset that edmonton or, or toronto might get it and rightfully so the Rangers get it, and now there's all this conspiracy talk because a New York team got it. Yeah, and they got, what, they had the number two pick last year, so that's a pretty good run of luck for a team that's trying to rebuild in a, a really major market. But, you know, it is what it is. We saw Toronto hit the post with the ping pong ball that almost made it up and, and gave it to Toronto, and it didn't happen, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> kind of, it's very hilarious. It just kind of encapsulated their entire season, but... Yeah, I, I, I can't say I have that major a problem with New York. And look, this is not a franchise center or a franchise defenseman. This is a wing. He's, he's a special player. He's a good player. But wings who transform organizations are few and far between. Alex Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, you just can't name that many of them. So in the end, yeah, it doesn't bother me that much. It's a big deal in the sense that it's, you know, every team would love to have Alexi Lafreniere. And like you said, sure. you know, this hastens New York's rebuild. And it's funny, I heard, I heard Toronto media complaining that the Rangers' rebuild is going a lot faster than it probably should have because they get this pick. Toronto, of course, being the organization that got to take Mitch Marner at four and Austin Matthews with the number one pick. And then John Tavares just went there because he was from there. I mean, exactly. I want to touch on that more in a little bit, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, I just, you know, I I don't know that there was anywhere other than like Florida or Minnesota where people weren't going to look and say, oh, there's some sort of conspiracy or whatever. I will say this, though, Craig, as we're watching it and whoever the guy was that wasn't Gary Bettman drops the uh, the Rangers ball in before he's supposed to. My immediate thought was if the Rangers win this draft lottery, everybody's going to point to that and I was 100% validated once the draft lottery went through and I flipped on Twitter and everybody was like, well, yeah, obviously the Rangers ball was weighted more because it fell in first. Ah, There it is. Um, I just wish, I wish the uh, NHL had rigged the uh, lottery that the year, the year that Austin Matthews was in. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Yeah. If they were ever going to do it, that was the time to do it. Yep. And yes, the Coyotes could still use that franchise setter. Um, Do you you think? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
it's becoming pretty apparent again. Let's um before we get to teams that are still playing, we should touch on Toronto though. Or maybe a better way to look at it is the fact that Columbus was able to respond from giving up three goals in the last three and a half minutes of a game and then losing in overtime. They come back the next game and not only do they play well from the beginning, they completely shut Toronto out in game five. Yeah. Let me tie those two things together, the lottery in Toronto, because I have something that I want to put out there. I I just wrote about it in uh, the neutral zone that I posted earlier tonight, but I went back through because, you, you know, you look at uh, New York winning this and having the number two pick last year. I was wondering how many teams had either picked first or second overall since the Coyotes arrived in Arizona. So I went back and did the research. 20, okay. 24 of the NHL's 31 teams have landed a number one or number two overall pick, pick in that time frame. And only seven have not. And one of those is the Vegas Golden Knights. They've been around three seasons. <laughs> So the others, Detroit, Calgary, Dallas, Minnesota, Montreal, and, of course, your Arizona Coyotes. Now, obviously, Detroit and Montreal have won the number one pick, number two pick in past years. It's been a while for those franchises, and I, I really think Detroit earned it this year. I, I kind of feel like there should be some stipulation for a team. If, if they're like 15 points clear of the pack, sorry, you just get the number one pick because you need it that badly, and Detroit needs it that badly. But anyway, getting back to this, you look at the names that have gone at number one. I mean, I, I can cite them. I did in this story, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Joe Thornton. There's, those are some of the names at number one. Number two, Jack Eichel, Patrick Laine, Andrei Svechnikov. You got Barkov, you got Sagan, you've got Hedman, you've got Doughty, you've got Malkin and Daniel Sedin. Those are superstars. Those are franchise players. And, Look, it's not, this is not to suggest that having those picks guarantees success. Edmonton is proof positive that you can still screw it up. They've had four number one picks since 2010. They have one playoff appearance and one series victory in that same time frame. But if you don't have those picks, you don't have the opportunity to get those types of players normally. It is pretty rare that you have franchise players extending beyond the second point in the draft. So the point here is the Coyotes haven't had that opportunity. And along with their ownership strife, I don't know why anybody expected them to have success. And I also don't get why the Coyotes get so much more criticism for their lack of progress than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we were just discussing, who got Austin Matthews in one of the rare years where the number one pick actually went to the team with the worst record. They landed another franchise center because John Tavares just wanted to come home. And yet they still haven't won a playoff series since 2004 or a Stanley cup since 1967. Isn't that worthy of more criticism? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you know, there, there are certainly (laughs) Maple Leafs fans are, are very self-loathing at this point in the sense (laughs) that they almost just seem to expect the worst. But the flip side is, we all know if the Maple Leafs win one playoff series, which obviously it's not going to happen this year now, if they, whenever that does happen, they're immediately going to act like they have the best team in the world. And you're They'll right. Be I mean, insufferable. It, yeah, that, that's why they must never win a series. That's why Boston did us such a, a service the last few years, and Columbus did us a huge service this year. It's, they have caught so many more breaks and some of that is because of where they are. And so that's just the reality of the situation. That doesn't only happen for Toronto and hockey. It happens for other teams and other sports, especially the NBA, but usually those teams cash in and can win a playoff series. So you're right. The Coyotes have never got the benefit of Austin Matthews. Now they could have drafted Mitch Marner and they passed on him, 
but they don't have a guy like John Tavares that's going to come here just because he's from here, unless it's Austin Matthews in a couple of years. And if, if that happens, then we can have that conversation then. But as it is now, they're, they're trying to piece together a playoff team, and they made it farther <laughs> than Toronto. Yes, <laughs> Toronto has every advantage imaginable in the NHL, and still they're in this situation. Anyway. Toronto, they probably realistically have more advantages than any team in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, other I would than agree Ed, with that. Edmonton picking first every year. But yeah. other than that, um, was there any fear when you like when you could see could you immediately tell it was the Rangers ball or did you just see blue? Because I, I thought I, it was the Rangers. But there was part of me that's like, if that's the Oilers, I'm leaving my own house. <laughs> I would have too. I would have been tweeting furiously if it had been the Oilers. Seriously. I, I'm, I, I, hopefully they've, there's some unwritten rule in the NHL that even if Edmonton's there, they're not going to get it. It has to be that way. The other thing too, and this was a, a good point that was brought up, Toronto in particular, if they had gotten Lafreniere, um, that's a guy on a rookie contract for the next three years that's producing. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's up against cap-wise. There's probably nobody in more cap trouble than Toronto. That would have been the biggest bailout since – Edmonton got Connor McDavid with another number one pick. So that's uh, the rest of the NHL dodged one there because that would not have been good for anybody if Toronto added Lafreniere. Yeah. All right. You want to get to these series previews? Yeah. Let's, um, let's, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's start with Philadelphia and Montreal. You just want to go in order? Sure. And I, by the way, I want to thank the athletic beat writers from, from all these teams that we're going to discuss. I reached out rather than trying to build storylines up myself. I figured I'd reached out to the experts and literally every one of them got back to me with ideas. Uh, we, we often have too many ideas in some of these series, but I'll just, I'll give a shout out to these guys as we go along with, for the Philadelphia Montreal series to Charlie O'Connor and Arbon Basu. Did uh, you have my predictions or do I have to find them? <laughs> You're going to have to find your predictions. Okay. Well, let's start at this one. I know this one. I have, uh, I have Philadelphia in four, um, in four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, Montreal shouldn't be here and okay. we know why they're here, but they're not a good team. Right. Um, but where, where they potentially have an advantage is Carey price. Although flyer stands will tell you Carter Hart is the next Carey price. He could be. It was, it, Carey Price was his favorite player, his favorite yeah. goaltender growing up. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at what Jamie sent in. Jamie picked the Flyers in five, and I'm actually giving Montreal two games in this series. I'm going to say Flyers in six, but we're all obviously picking the Flyers, and I, I don't think Montreal has any chance to win this. Um, it is interesting to look at these two coaches, right? These are two of the better guys in the business. Um, two guys with French-Canadian last names, too. You don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, <laughs> that's true. And the way Montreal seems to hire, these might be the only two guys eligible to, to manage the teams for a while. Right. Uh, I just I, I don't I don't see any way other than Carey Price that that uh, Montreal has any advantages here. Philadelphia has depth. They have they're playing so well before the pause, and they seem to come right out of it as if nothing had happened. It's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, look, I can't figure out how good Philadelphia is. I don't like Philadelphia, but they have impressed me because, to me, they were the team that was going to get hurt by the the pause more than almost anybody. I mean, I guess Pittsburgh and Edmonton being five seeds and having to play an extra round that they were both incapable of winning, they got hurt. But the Flyers had so much momentum going into the the break that I didn't know how they were going to come out of it. I, I couldn't tell maybe of those top four teams in the East, they were kind of a distant fourth. As it turns out, they win the round robin. I know it's only three games, but 
that game against Tampa Bay on Sunday was a huge game because do you want to play Columbus in the first official round or do you want to play Montreal? Montreal is right. basically a bye. I mean, they, they are, what, the 24th best team in the NHL or something. They shouldn't be here. Yeah, no question. Uh, I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time on this series, to be honest. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that the Flyers are going to win this one. No, and in full disclosure, we're, we're recording this. We were going to record yesterday and um, – Let's say Jamie's internet messed up, so we were unable to do it. <laughs> All right, so that's how it's going to be. Yeah, he's not here to defend himself, so it's definitely Jamie's fault somehow. His, his hair got in the way. But, yeah, but uh, we all put in our predictions before then, so it's, it's okay. We did. And you'll see with one of mine that it definitely was in before any of these games were played. <laughs> all right, um, Tampa Bay and Columbus. Uh, is that series over already? Didn't they play like five games? <laughs> Where do you come out crazy. on this? I, I texted you and Jamie about this, but Mike Milbury, who was calling the game, Ugh. the first, like the, the, the second overtime, the third overtime, and the fourth overtime, he started each overtime by talking about how they have to find a way to shorten these games. And even if you're right, you can't say that on the broadcast, but he's so wrong. This is something that – this is what makes playoff hockey. This is one of the things that makes it so great and why you get people that don't care about hockey – tuning in because there's a game that's been going for three and a half hours and it's sudden death. Well, as soon as you said Mike Milbury, uh, there was uh, probably a 99% chance that I was going to disagree with what he said. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why he's doing games, Luke. I, I don't think he's any good uh, in, in any aspect of this job right now, to be honest. So I don't know why he's doing games. Sorry to say that, but that, that is how I feel. I, I, I think he's a detriment to these broadcasts. And to say that people aren't interested, he was saying that people were actually going to start tuning out yeah, because the game was going too long. It's the opposite. Yeah, it, it's, it's a so curiosity for casual fans at that point because it's in the fifth overtime. I, I know Milbury bothers a lot of people, and his actual call of the game doesn't bother me very much, and, and nearly as much as it as it bothers most people. But I just didn't understand that that line. I mean, it, it is one of the things that makes playoff hockey so intriguing for the reason you just said, and he said the exact opposite, like. He did. He pointed out, he's like, I think people are going to start turning this game off on the East Coast. Like, no way. At a certain point last night, that game, you you had a feeling that you might see something close to history. And honestly, it kind of felt that way by, like, early in the second overtime. There was yeah. really no indication that that game was going to end anytime soon because Jonas Corposalo was making 85 saves. Yeah, he really was spectacular. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky was obviously good, too, when you make that volume of saves, but he wasn't challenged nearly as much as the other. I thought Tampa was, was the better team throughout that game, and that was, that was something to see because we didn't know how they were going to respond both to the layoff, the loss last year, and having to face the same team that maybe had a psychological edge on them, but they, they looked good, and they played a, a tight game as well, which was encouraging to see. Also, having Victor Hedman back for game one was, was huge. We didn't know his status up until game day. And then he ended up playing a ton of minutes. Yeah. To me, this was one of the tougher series to pick because I do, I have all the respect in the world for what Columbus has done, not only last year now in retrospect, but especially this year when they go out there and beat Toronto and the way they do it. And I mean, that, that stat that all the guys that left this team, the Matt Duchesne's and the uh, Artemi Panarin's and Sergey Bobrovsky's, they're all already out of the playoffs. And John Tortorella's team is, is still going. So there was part of me that really did want to pick Columbus, but I keep going back to this, and maybe I'm putting too much weight in it, but being at the award show last year and how much that series was still bothering those Tampa Bay players two and a half months later, yeah. for them to, to get a chance to avenge that, 
against the very team that took them out. And how many times did we talk about this last year? You know, it's like, how does Tampa Bay get through this upcoming season, which was this past season now, when all that really matters is what they do in the playoffs? And then, you know, they have a decent season. There's a huge break, and all of a sudden they get to start in the playoffs against the team that took them out. It's If they're ever going to advance in the playoffs, this is it. Yeah, and then, and like I said before, uh, I like the fact that they were patient with Columbus's yeah. structure. They, they, they played the game that they needed to play to beat Columbus. So that, that's encouraging. They stay patient with it throughout the game. And, and, man, they had to stay patient for a long time. But this, to me, I, I look at this now, and, and I know Columbus did a, an unbelievable job of bouncing back after that gut-wrenching loss to Toronto that we just talked about. But how many times can you go to the well, Luke? I mean, that's, that's a really hard game to lose. You're, now, you're down 1-0, but it feels like more, and you're, you're down to a team that you know on paper is probably better than you. You're probably tired from all the hockey you've played already. I just don't know how they get up for this one. Yeah, if this was a little bit later in the series, even if that had been like game three, I think I'd agree with you. If that made the series like 2-1 Tampa or something, it's so early. I mean, game one, that even though it feels like three games because it basically was – they still only have to win four of the next six. I mean, it's not – I don't think they're going to win the series, but I don't think losing in five overtimes is what did them in. And, and obviously Tampa has the more talented roster. But, you know, we look at Columbus and you, you think of all the players that have left. They do still have Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski on that blue line. It's yeah. a pretty good top pairing to have. Seth Jones was ridiculous. He just yeah. kept it's, – it's almost like he got stronger as time went on after playing, you know, playing more than an hour of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. Once he hit the 60-minute mark, there were moments where he would he was running guys down and taking the puck from them. Yeah, And, and then even after the game and his, his post-game availability, he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so who do you have in this series? Uh, I took Tampa in seven. Okay, I took Tampa in six in this one. And mm-hmm. Jamie has the lightning in seven as well. See, Jamie's not here. You could have said Jamie has Columbus in four. Yeah. Um, J- Jamie took the Kings. <laughs> the Sacramento Kings. To your point, though, because we kind of glossed over Victor Hedman coming back, not only coming back, but essentially playing three games yesterday. So we know yeah. it's good to go. <laughs> yeah. Now if they can get Steven Stamkos back and, and, you know, maybe you're playing with a little bit of house money too. If you're, if you stay ahead in the series, you can keep him out a little bit longer to make sure. I don't, I don't really even know what his status is, you know, coming back from that core surgery, but the longer he can rest, probably the better. They're going to need him at some point, I would think, if they're, they're going to make a deep run. So let's take a, a little bit of a closer look at Tampa. If they win this series and beat the team that really put them in such a tough spot last year, because as much as we talk about Tampa Bay choking in the playoffs, the year before they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they choked in a big way against Washington. But if they're able to beat Columbus with the talent they have on this roster, I mean, on paper, this is a team that should be able to win the whole thing. Sure. I, I think so too, but I, you know, and I do think it gets the monkey off their back a little bit uh, on the flip side. The East is so good yeah. that there are a bunch of teams that are just as deserving of, you know, getting to the cup final Tampa. So it's not going to be an easy run. Probably if you win, you're playing Washington. Oh, we'll get to them in a second, but even if you don't, you might be playing Boston. In the next well, that's, round, if, so that's if you're picking the Washington Capitals to win. <laughs> well, it's a good segue to the number three Capitals against the number six Islanders. Oh, we didn't. Uh, who do you want to give shout outs to in the Tampa Bay Columbus series? Uh, Joe Smith and Aaron Porcelain. I feel like all Columbus Blue Jackets news comes through Aaron Porcelain. Yeah, yeah he's, he's unbelievable. He's, he's got that team on lockdown. Yeah, he's a rock star. And you know you feel good for guys like that when they cover a team forever, and then that team starts to finally do something in the playoffs, right? Because I mean, that team they hadn't won a playoff series ever 
until mm. last year. What does that feel like? I don't. Um, mm. <laughs> I feel like maybe we could uh, we could speak to that a little bit. Okay. All right. So I, number. Go ahead. No, just saying. Capitals Islanders. Tariq Albashir and Arthur Staple. Thank you for your thoughts on this series. Um, the Islanders are already up one nothing in this series, so I'm feeling a lot better about my pick because I, I I'll stay it right now. I took the Islanders in seven. I think Washington is wow. they're out, they're waning. They're waning. The Capitals are waning. You think so? I hope you're right. I, this is definitely <laughs> the series I picked with emotion. I took Washington in five, so <laughs> it's a tough spot for them to actually do it since they're already down zero one. Um, I still think they come back and win the series. I probably won't have the game number right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they get swept and Tom Wilson retires. But I don't see <laughs> I don't see everything going that well. So uh-huh. explain explain why you think the Islanders can win the series. Because my concern is I just don't think they can score enough. Yeah, and that's that's definitely a concern. But if you can play the type of game they play today, you can win the series. And I have a lot of faith in the guy behind the bench to figure this out. And yeah. again. I know they parted ways uh, a little while ago. It's been two years since Barry Trotz left Washington, but yeah, there's just a little bit of extra motivation, I think, for him in this one to dissect this. I I don't know. The other thing that I wonder about, I I don't know about Braden Holpe. I I don't have confidence in him that he is the same goalie that we saw a few years ago. Yeah, that's fair. This this could be one of those series where if we get like two more games in and it's 2-1 Islanders or something, this this might be one of the, the first series where we see a team have to make a switch and kind of go through that goalie controversy because he hasn't been the same guy that he was when they won the Cup. Even the year they won the Cup, remember, he, he was benched for the first playoff game and uh, Philip Grubauer was in there. Yeah. Just, I, 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 like you, I have all the respect in the world for Barry Trotz. I just wonder when you play a team with the firepower that Washington has, if if that's the best matchup in the world. Because you, even if you hold Washington, or even you know if you're the Islanders, if you're only going to score two or maybe three goals a game, that's probably your recipe, right? Is winning games three two. I know they won four two today. I don't think Barry Trotz's plan was to go down two nothing and score four unanswered. But it just feels like no matter how good you play defensively, Washington's still going to score some. And the Islanders are just not a high-scoring team. It's almost like Baltimore, like the Ravens in the uh, in the playoffs in the NFL, where once they fell behind, it's tough to come back. But I say that, and the Islanders already came back in game one, so I hope I'm wrong. Right. Uh, the Caps' power play is another thing to watch in this series. It was not very good during the season, which is weird to talk about the Washington power play not being affected, but it was not. And it wasn't very good in the round, Robin, either. See if they can, as uh, Tariq said, iron out those problems. What do you, uh, if anything, what are you taking from those round-robin games? Not much. I think a lot of teams just played them safe, tried to get through them without getting injured. I don't think a lot of teams looked at them as all that important. When you're taking away home ice and you're taking away fans, are you gaining that much? Yeah, there, there might be that odd situation where, yes, you get to play Montreal versus Columbus. That's an advantage. But by and large... You're going to have to go through the same teams. I don't, I don't know that there's much advantage with the seeding. I don't, I don't think it mattered that much. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on this. I know Rick Tockett has said a few times it's a, it's a bigger deal to him to have last change and everything than it is maybe to even have fans at a home game in the, in the playoffs or whatever. But, you know, by, I don't doubt that that's important. It obviously is. But is that more important than getting both of your goalies work in the round robin and limiting your best players' minutes in the round robin games to, so they're fresh? You know, I, right. I just I feel like – like a team like Boston. I mean, Boston looked like they mailed in the round robin, and now they're up one nothing in their series. Yeah, and I, I think they did. They might still be the best team in the NHL. They were all year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I that, with that line change thing, I mean, it's one game. You get one extra game of doing it, and look, coaches have a way around that, right? So it's it's a little bit of an advantage, but it's it's not that big a deal. Um, who did Jamie take here? Jamie took the Caps in six. Okay. And you? I took the Caps in five, so okay, <laughs> they better get on it. Yeah. Although I'd, I'd much prefer to be wrong and just have the Caps out. Okay. Um, if you could veto one team out of the playoffs right now, who would you take out? Veto one team out of the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, like you just – just as as your own, as a hockey fan, this team doesn't get the win. Because for me, it would be the Capitals. But you, so, like, get them out of the first round or get them out when, when uh, they were still in the qualifying round? Can I go back one round? <laughs> <laughs> can I yeah, take my – can I take the Blackhawks out <laughs> so I don't yeah. have to hear Stan Bowman talking about how this is, has accelerated the process? What process is that? <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll get to them. That's a great answer. That's, that's even better than my answer was. Um, all right, let's wrap up the East here. Boston and Carolina. Um, this was a tough one for me, too. I really wanted to pick the Hurricanes. I really do feel like they're a much improved team, even from last year. I think they're a very overlooked team. But they just can't beat Boston. Yeah, and it, part of it was, too, you're looking at Boston in the round robin and wondering, is something wrong, or were they, in fact, just mailing it in? And I, I think they answered that today. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They, uh, they mailed it in. They absolutely mailed it in, and they, they looked fine. I mean, they, they have some things to fine-tune, but – they're the better team without question. They have so much depth. Um, Andre Kosh is back. Um, I, I still think Brett Ritchie is going to make more of an impact than he made today. I didn't think he was very good today. Um, they, I, there's just so much to like about this team. I know Dougie Hamilton is back for Carolina, and that matters a lot. He's probably the best defenseman in this series, but Boston's just a better team. Yeah, I mean, if you just if you look around and you say, okay, everybody's going to play to their full potential here from today going forward – that probably has Boston winning the cup, doesn't it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. They, they were the best team. No question when the season paused and, and they just, they have, they have playoff experience. Some of these guys were there all the way back when they won the cup against Vancouver and, and Vancouver burnt their own city down to, to protest it. But they, they also have, I mean, they've drafted well, they've added key pieces. You mentioned the, the move to go out and get Nick Ritchie this year. It almost gets forgotten about now because it happened right. Before yeah. I said Brett Ritchie. <laughs> well, typo there. <laughs> they got one of the Richies. I don't know um, who he is, but it's, there's probably a guy named Brett Ritchie out there. Brett Ritchie, if you're listening, make sure you write into the show and let us know that you, for a second, one glorious second, you thought you were on the Boston Bruins. You got the but, shout out. But that's, uh, that is the sort of, that's Nick Ritchie is the sort of guy that fits right in with what Boston wants to do. They didn't give up a whole lot to get him. If he doesn't produce, whatever, they still have Marshawn and, and Pasternak and Patrice Bergeron and Jake DeBrusque and all these other guys. But if he does produce, like, mm-hmm. come on, now they're even yeah. deeper than they were before. Yeah, no question. I got Boston in six in this. Uh, shout out, by the way, to Flu- Fluto Shinzawa and Sarah Sivian for their thoughts on this, but I am taking the Bruins in six. Yeah, I, I went back and forth. I finally took the Bruins in seven just because specifically Boston is a team Carolina can't seem to beat. But I do think Carolina, like last year when these two teams met, it was almost a, just a given that it was going to be a sweep, and it was. I don't. I think Carolina's better than that now, but – the fact that they lost game one and it wasn't a short game, it was double overtime, that that could be an issue for them. Because once Boston wakes up, you realize this is probably still the best team. Jomi took the upset. He took the Canes in seven. Did he really? Wow. He did. Now, now I hope Boston wins. 
Uh, all right, let's go over to the Western Conference, Craig, and let's start. Oh, let's start with that Vegas-Chicago series, <laughs> shall we? Jesse Granger and Scott Powers, thanks for your thoughts. Um, this is going to be a brief series, and I, I think uh, Game 1 underscored that fact. This is a terrible matchup for the Blackhawks, a terrible matchup. What do the Blackhawks do worse than anything else they do? They defend so badly, and they can't yeah. defend in their own end. And what does Vegas do? As well as any team in the league, they pin you in with their forecheck, a heavy, hard forecheck. That's what they did in game one, and it wasn't close. Yeah, a, you know, you have a, a series where one team is clearly better than the other on paper, and it's also a bad matchup for the, uh, the lesser team. That's, that's not great. I heard somebody make the argument today that Chicago had like the 23rd best record in the NHL, 22nd and 23rd best record, when you stack them up. Vegas is one of those teams on Boston's level, I believe, or maybe just a slight notch below Boston. So when you get a matchup like that in the playoffs, I think Vegas is going to take advantage of it and exploit it. I'll be honest. I, I just looked at my picks, so I'll stick with what I said. I picked Vegas in six. That might be too long of a series, yeah. the more I think about it. But either way. I have the Golden Knights in five in this one, and so does Jamie. Um, I just, I mean, where, where do the Blackhawks have a, a, an advantage here? Boy, I have typos all over my show notes, by the way. How come you're not giving me hell? <laughs> this is bothering me. <laughs> you mean like Malcolm Subant? Yeah, Malcolm Subant. Who's he? Or Lex Lex Tuck? <laughs> oh, I didn't even see Lex Tuck. <laughs> Lex Tuck is going to be like a recurring character on this, this is, show. This is now. brutal. Like, yeah, Lex Luthor. This is Lex, brutal. Not only that, you wrote Lex Tuck is the X Factor. You could have at least said he's the Lex Factor. <laughs> um, yeah, you're lucky Jamie's not here for this. Yeah, I mean, none. they don't even have an advantage in goal, do they? They don't have an advantage in goal. I mean, this is like Robin Leonard's revenge. Shit. And I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I love the fact that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are playing well, but. That is not what's going to shepherd the Blackhawks into the future. <laughs> it's, and when those guys are gone, all this talk about how this has accelerated the process, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, the only advantage I guess they have is experience in the playoffs. But Flurry's won a couple cups, so, they, you know, Vegas at least has experience at maybe the most important position. Uh, yeah, the and they went, to the, they went to the cup final a couple of years ago. That's true. They've got some experience. Uh, I, I like the last line in your show notes. It says, Chicago's playing with house money. Yeah. And they are, but when you're playing with house money, it's only house money if you don't then dip into your savings too. And that's where I feel like Stan Bowman is, is going to be, um, I don't know, if he's really going to take the fact that they were able to beat an underachieving Edmonton team in a qualifying round as a sign that everything's fine going forward, that's, yeah. that would concern me. Yep. But a lot of people are buying it. It's amazing. He sold a lot of people on that line. Not sold. I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Anything anyway. else on that series? Uh, that, no. that to me, uh, I, I really I need to move past it. <laughs> well, let's talk more about hey, it. To bring Kate, by the way, look at all these typos. This is brutal. <laughs> now I want to go back and find all these. I, was um, I drinking when I did this? I don't, I don't oh, remember no. drinking, but then, you know, Hey, maybe that's part of, part of the problem. I can't maybe, even remember what I was doing when I constructed the show notes. Yeah. If you can't even remember then that's a problem. I will say this though, for all your typos on very simple names, like Alex, you managed to spell Matt Greslick and Fluto Shinzawa, right? So well, there you go. You hadn't completely mailed it in uh, Dallas and Calgary. Yeah. Sean Shapiro and Scott Cruikshank, by the way, uh, we saw game one, uh, it's sort of how I think the series is going to play out. I, I just don't think Dallas can score enough. I, something's, something's wrong with Dallas. They're just, they're, they've been overrated in my opinion as a team for a very long time. I know a lot of pundits have 
thought for the past couple seasons that this might be a cup-worthy team? I don't see it. I just don't think they have the offense to do it. Yeah, I don't either. I know they went out and added some some vets in the offseason, which feels like forever ago now because it was about 13, 14 months. But uh, I, this, to me, is, is Calgary's series to win for sure. Um, not to mention the fact that Ben Bishop didn't even play in game one. Right. Uh, I, I'm looking for typos, and this is the one series you don't seem to have any in. I do like the, the question in here, though. Um, how will the Stars react to Matthew Kachuk's in-your-face style, and will Corey Perry counter? Well, yeah, because they already fought in game one. So <laughs> but I wrote these notes before that, so which is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At least I think inter- I did. I can't remember. <laughs> you might be writing them as we speak. Who knows? Uh, it, this is an interesting series to me. The only the only two series that really don't hold my interest, and now one of them does because the Islanders beat Washington in game one, were that one. And Flyers-Canadians, I, I just yeah. I can't get into that one because, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a sweep. But this one, even though I'm, I, I'm pretty confident Calgary's going to win, Dallas is going to make it interesting. This is going to be one of those, like, one of, the, one of the games in this series is going to go three overtimes, which felt like a big deal until yesterday. I could see that happening. I also think that even though I, I believe Calgary is going to win this round, this, this is as far as they go. This, this series, to me, has, does not have a team that can go deep. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so what was your prediction? Flames and six, and that is Jamie's pick as well. Wow, that's this is scary. This is like the the natty hatty lock of the first round, apparently, because I also have Flames and six. So, so Dallas will win in seven, obviously, <laughs> or five. They'll just win the next four and put us out of our misery. Yeah. All right. Um, the game that's going on right now, I can't see the score, but one one Louis is it? I think it's still one one. This worked out pretty well. Where we tried to record this yesterday, and like I said, Jamie did something to mess it up, but. Uh, we were going to record two hours after the Tampa Bay game, and as it turns out, we would have finished the whole thing with an hour left in the Tampa Bay game because it went six and a half hours. St. Louis and Vancouver, uh, Jeremy Rutherford and Thomas Drantz. I actually took Vancouver in the series. Did you? Yeah. I see. When I watched St. Louis, the way they were playing, they looked to me exactly like Boston did. They just looked like a team that really wasn't putting up a fight. They got out chance. They got out attempted badly uh, in the round robin. I just didn't think that they were dialed in. And it didn't look like the team that sort of is uh, the mirror image of their coach, Craig Berube. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not putting so much into the round robin. This is more just this has been my narrative with St. Louis all season that they weren't good at the start of last year. Then they were great in the second half and they obviously won the cup. And I just kind of think that's going to run out at some point this year. Not in the sense that they're not a good team or a borderline great team. I mean, they're still the defending cup champs, and it's not like they're losing the series right now or anything. But I just – I don't think they're winning the cup this year. I don't think they're getting back. I've felt that way all year. And Vancouver, as much as I think their fans and their media dr- just drastically overrate them, I could see Vancouver giving St. Louis some problems here. So I figured I would go with the upset. All right. I'm curious to see what Tarasenko can do in this series too, right, with the, the extra time to heal. He, he only played 10 games this season. So he could be uh, an X factor in this. Um, but, you know, I, I, when I think – I try and think of uh, advantages, I don't really think that – I don't think Vancouver has an advantage in goal. Jordan Bennington's wonderful. Um, they have a couple high-end players, but St. Louis has very good players up front too. I just – I don't know. I'll, I'm going with experience. I, I think uh, St. Louis is uh, a tighter defensive team. And, and, again, they have that experience. I think they win this series. So I'm going Blues in six. I don't think that you're accounting for the fact that Quinn Hughes is already better than Bobby Orr, though. That's so right. I forgot. That. He's one of the top 25 players in the NHL, apparently. <laughs> or one of the top, like, five he's, defensemen of all time. He's, he's not going to win the Calder Trophy, but he's one of the top 25 players in the NHL. 
Yeah, it's funny but, how that stuff works out. Well, it's just an injustice because everyone else clearly does not see what Vancouver fans see. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a big part of me that wants St. Louis to win this series just so Vancouver loses. But uh, you're right. I, I don't think Markstrom is an advantage over Bennington. Bennington just won the Stanley Cup last year. Yeah, But I think Vancouver can potentially match them in net. And yeah. I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about this series. Maybe St. Louis will sweep them. Who knows? I mean, they are the defending cup champs. I'm probably not giving them as much respect as I should. But even if they win the series, I think they're probably out in the next round, depending who they play. St. Louis? Yeah, I think so, too. It would be, it would be Vegas. So, yeah, oh, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. So, what was your pick? Canucks I'm, in how many? Uh, seven. In seven. Okay. And Jamie has uh, the Blues in seven. Okay. All right. All right. Now for the, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Avalanche Coyotes. Game one was tonight. Let, here, let's just get the predictions out of the way first so we can go from there. I had Avalanche in five. Jamie has Avalanche in five, and you have? Okay. I have the Coyotes in seven. Oh, there it is. Which is still doable. Um, so I guess let's start there. Okay. To me, it's not that the Coyotes lost game one. I mean, obviously, I picked them to win seven in seven, so that means they're going to lose three. To me, it's the, I think that's the worst we're going to see Colorado play in the series, and it was right there. And with seven minutes to go, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. And I made this comment to somebody up in the press box, mm. and I, maybe it was partially fueled by Rick Tockett's uh, comments after practice yesterday. And then the fact that this game was really playing out to sort of back up, you, you practice the way you play. But I made this comment to somebody in the press box of if the Coyotes win this game, one, nothing, they're going to get smoked on Friday. Cause they almost need a wake up call the way. It, I don't think they played terribly defensively. But no, I, power, the power play in the third period where they didn't even look like they had any interest in trying to score. That yeah. was maddening. Yeah, that was terrible. Their their special teams are a concern to me. They have not been good in this postseason. Their their, their power play is not good. Their penalty kill has been bad. They've given up five power play goals, I believe, in 16 chances. That was an elite unit during the season. That can't happen for a team that prides itself and identifies as a defensive team. So that's a concern. But to me, today, that wasn't the major concern. Today was the fact that they just didn't look interested in playing offense. Yeah. They had 14 shots on goal, and Rick Rick said it in the post-game conference. I, I, so many people were focused on the Derek Stepan penalty, which was not a good call. It should not have been called. Absolutely should not have been called, and maybe we go to overtime. But as, as I wrote in my story, I felt like the Coyotes could have played 180 minutes today and not scored a goal. They just they weren't doing anything. They were back on their heels, and when they, when they got in transition, they looked so slow through transition. And part of that's Colorado speed, but the Coyotes are a fast team. They just weren't making passes. They weren't making reads. They just, they just didn't do anything offensively. They didn't generate any. Yeah, a buddy of mine that, that watches the NHL a little bit, but he doesn't live here, so he, it's not like he gets to watch the Coyotes a lot. Texted me in the, the second period of the game. He's like, are the Coyotes not a fast team? Like, are they, are they one of the slower teams? And he wasn't, it wasn't sarcasm. He was just genuinely asking because, you know, everybody gets to watch now in the playoffs. You get to watch wherever across the country. And I didn't have an answer for him because this yeah. team built on speed and – you know, what was so maddening is, as Rick Tockett said flat out before this game, you have to match Colorado's pressure. You have to meet that with pressure. You can't yes. just stand back on your heels. And I, I just – I keep going back to that power play. I'm glad Rick Tockett brought it up in the post game. His post game comments were like two and a half minutes, and he was very clearly upset. And it feels like they're going to be skating all day at practice tomorrow without pucks or sticks, <laughs> the way he, uh, he felt. Because 
you know, for him to say what he said after practice yesterday or on Monday, and then to have it to basically play out in front of our eyes during a game against a team that absolutely could win the Stanley cup in Colorado. That's frustrating. I feel like the Coyotes left a win out there today. I really do. Yeah, they had a chance at it. And listen, I want to say, I know a lot of people look at the 40 shots that Colorado had and said, Oh my God, Darcy Kemper was under siege. Not really. When you look at the location and the quality of the shots, they didn't give up a lot of quality chances, and they really defended the rush well. Colorado, up until that third, I think it was the third goal that they got an odd man rush, they weren't getting anything off the rush. The Coyotes were really good defensively, and they did a good job of keeping them to the outside. But what they didn't do is, is counter. And as a result, Colorado got a volume of shots, and, I mean, Philip Grubar just had a cakewalk today. Yeah, I mean, you you allowed a goalie to get a shutout without really doing anything. So now he's going to feel better about himself. And that's an area where the Coyotes are supposed to have a huge advantage, and they do. But, you know, Darcy Kemper made 37 saves today. He made a great one on Matt Nieto in the second period. He made a lot of really good saves, but that doesn't mean anything if you're not shooting at the other team's goal. And it was just the power play in particular, even if you're not going to score on that, that came in the third period. That came like midway through the third period of of a scoreless game. We hadn't really heard Nathan McKinnon's name at all. They yeah. did a good job with McKinnon. He finished with two assists, but, you know, for the most part, they did a good job with him. And they just – and Rick Talk had said it. I mean, they couldn't make a five-foot pass on that power play. They looked almost disinterested. And I know that's not the case, but that's the way it looks. And it's like, even if you're not going to score on that, why don't you make a, like a cut with the puck out of the blue line and just make sure you get it in? Why don't you pass – you can make the passes crisply and at least – you can move quickly and maybe swing some momentum in your favor. And they just, they didn't do any of that. Yeah. They have to win the special teams battle to have a chance in this series. There's no question about that. But the other thing, you know, look, Colorado really defends the rush. Well, they, they're, they're maybe the best team in the league at defending the rush. So we have to keep yeah. that in mind when they're facing the Coyotes. They weren't going to get a lot of chances off the rush today anyway. They didn't take advantage of the few that maybe they had. But the thing that I think the Coyotes need to do, they need to sustain a forecheck. They, they, we've seen that from them at times this season. I think that is where Colorado is susceptible. We just didn't see it at all tonight. I think we, we have to go back to what you said, too, about the shot differential. Look, 40 to 14, is, that can't happen. That's, that's way too much. But I think the Coyotes are more than comfortable playing games in this series where they are outshot 33 to 25 or whatever. Yeah, I, don't think they're, I agree. They're trying to win the shots on goal battle. Um, as, long as, they're, as long as they're limiting Colorado to shots from the outside – they didn't really get a lot of rebounds or second chances until there was the save on, on Nieto, and then there was the first two Colorado goals were basically second chances. But I think the Coyotes are fine with how they play defense, which is why I'm not so upset with their lack of offense during the game. Don't get me wrong, I am. But once you're on the power play, you, you can't be worrying about defense. And I think the second game is going to tell us everything because you and I were talking about this going into the weekend. I'd rather play Colorado from the Coyotes than Vegas just because Vegas is a big team that will beat you up. But if the Coyotes try and – if they can't loosen up Colorado's defense at all with their offense in game two, if they can't score, they can't win the series. If they, if they try to open things up to score, and they do, but they just leave Darcy Kemper out to dry, that's not great either. So we're going to see in game two if they can win the series or not. Yep. Yeah, it comes down to that. That's it really, if they, obviously, if they can't win that series, if they fall behind 2-0 to this team, it's a four- or five-game series especially when you had game one right there for yeah. the taking. It's, yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to shut down McKinnon every game. Nope. All right. Um, wow, did we just finish the show? I think we did. <laughs> See what happens when Jamie's not here? We're efficient. <laughs> I hope right now he's like scrambling to get to a computer to sign in at 9 p.m. and he just misses it. 
Um, anything else you want to talk about? You want me to see if there's any listener questions? We didn't ask for any, but I think- I, I, did, did I say, did I tell you that he picked them in five? He picked the abs in five too. Did we say that? And, and you picked the cut. Yeah, we did. We got through all that. Never mind. Um, yeah, I see, I can't remember anything, Luke. I think it's age. <laughs> Something clearly happened to you at some point since you did these show notes. Yeah, Jamie shouldn't be allowed to pick the avalanche. Why is after, that? After his anti-Colorado stance. Early. That's true, actually. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that's probably fair. And the worst thing about Jamie, and there's a lot of things that are bad about Jamie, is if Colorado does win the series, he's going to point out how he picked it right and I picked it wrong taking the Coyotes. And he wouldn't even acknowledge that Colorado was a team until like a month ago. <laughs> well, hopefully he'll join us for the next show. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, I don't see – Alvin wrote in with, do you like the playoff overtime marathons or should the league move to four-on-four, four, then three-on-three three at some point and try to prevent these long games? And we, we addressed that. I, I love the long overtimes. I, we get to a point where if it's – as long as it's not the Penguins or Coyotes playing, I root for five or six overtimes. So I, I loved that game yesterday. Yeah, I'm all in on lengthy overtimes. As long as it's not, you know, two in the morning and I, I just want to go to bed at that point. I probably will go to bed as long as I don't have to cover it. But, yeah, I like, I like these games. These, it's history when you're watching one of those. It, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I, I don't understand, the, like, where do you have to be? We've been waiting for the hockey playoffs. What do you, what right. do you have to watch instead of, instead of sudden death overtime? Yeah. Uh, a couple other comments here. Chris wrote in. He's very concerned. He's going to file a missing Mallard report with the police department. First of all. Jackie the Duck, he's, uh, he's, he's alive and well. He's actually in that room over there. I could get uh, him. Sure, okay. I don't see him. But I'm not going to because, you know, what's the point? It's a very and dark room you're in, by the way. It's, well, because I have the TV on and then the, the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's, not, it's not that you're depriving your ducks of light? No, they're actually over there where the light is. Sure they are. And, and uh, they're all over there except Olfie. I can't find Olfie. I think he mm. finally had it after that series. And uh, do you want to address whatever – Carl and you were talking about with sushi. Ah, uh, no, that's all right. Okay. I think, I think we got it out. Okay. Carl and, admits uh, that sushi belonged on that list. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Indispensable AZ, foods. Uh, turn AZ blue, who I don't believe has tweeted us before, or if he has it's under a different name, maybe it is. Uh, he says, if Tampa loses after 12 periods, does that count as their annual sleep out of the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> I would have gone with that. All right. I believe that's, that's it. Um, Todd and Phoenix, the rigging argument is that the NHL is steering more stars to prime markets, but at least they didn't screw the Coyotes this time. <laughs> I don't mind Lafreniere in, uh, in New York, except there's going to be a stretch here where the Penguins are just abjectly horrible because all of those top two picks have been going to the Metro Division for the past four or five years if they're not going to Buffalo or Edmonton, and Pittsburgh's getting worse, and everybody's getting better. Well, the NHL has a way of fixing that for Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hopefully there's a truly elite center coming in in like two years. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, For Craig Morgan, not for Jamie Eisner, who never made it. I'm Luke Pinsky. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hatrick Podcast.